Hi everyone and welcome to another Bible study here at One Love Live at Love Walk and I am your host Leela Winston. I pray that God is blessing in your life. I pray that you are accomplishing the purpose of your life because as you know we come together to study in the word of God so that we can accomplish the purpose of our life and also to practically apply the word of God in every area of our life. And so today we're going to do a really interesting study. Um, we are going to talk about something that I won't say it's controversial, but it's a little dicey because um, we as believers sometimes have been taught to just be so nice and so friendly and, you know, to never say anything negative. You just have to be like, you have to be like a marshmallow, you know, in essence. Well, I want to show you an area where that's not exactly so. And I think sometimes if we follow the canon of scripture and we read and we understand that, then we begin to realize that these people live real lives and they weren't these fruity, fluffy ideas of Christianity that we have somehow, you know, come to incorporate uh, into modern day Christianity. So let's go ahead and look at 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14 to 18. I think this is a really interesting little segment. Um, it's not long, but it's really sort of fascinating. It gives you an interesting window into the life of Paul and into the life of believers. So let's go ahead and read. Grab your Bible. Our anchor text is 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14 to 18. It says, Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works, of whom be thou also thou ware also, for he has greatly withstood our words. At my first answer no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge, notwithstanding the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion, and the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me until his heavenly kingdom, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So we're looking at a very interesting little you know, passage of scripture, um, but the Bible says in 2 Peter that the Lord knows how to keep the just. Even in the face of petty or powerful enemies, God isn't nervous. It is all going according to plan. And so I think it's important for us to understand that when we read the scripture with Paul, he talks about having this guy, this adversary called Alexander, and he talks about other situations that were adversely against him. But at the same time, after talking about that, he talks about how God has delivered him out of the mouth of the lion and from every evil work. I think that's pretty interesting. I think you and I need to hear that. And I think it's really important for you to remember that no matter what it is that you are facing in your life, is that you need to understand that God is consistent and faithful. He will deliver you out of the mouth of the lion and from every evil work. He knows how to preserve you unto his heavenly kingdom. Now let's look at 2 Peter. Okay, we're going to look at 2 Peter. Um, we're going to look at verse 9. It says, The Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. So what exactly is that saying? It's saying that God is never in a panic when things go wrong, when you have a persecutor or let's say an enemy, maybe it's something petty and small at work, maybe it's something really huge and, and monumentous, whatever it could be, you are able to surmount it because God delivers. 
he delivers to the utmost, as the song says. And that is something that we have to remember as believers. And so I want us to turn slightly briefly, you know, uh, toward Alexander, this, this guy, the coppersmith, who did Paul much harm. So this guy, I guess he just had a bone to pick or an axe to grind against Paul. And hey, we know that happens because that's what happens with people sometimes. But we want to ask ourselves, did Paul curse or did he slander Alexander? You know, by talking about him there in that passage. So what he said about Alexander doesn't really sound like he's blessing <laughs> his enemy. It doesn't sound like what Jesus said or, or what Jesus Christ seemed to talk about in the Gospels. So Christ wants us to love our enemies, but we don't necessarily bless wickedness. This is really important to understand. You're not blessing wickedness. And we've talked about this in a previous Bible study, um, but I want us to turn a corner here. He's being really specific about this guy. He even names him. He says his name is Alexander. He even tells us what the guy does for a living. So it's important for us to understand that we're not blessing wickedness. We are able to love our enemies, but there is some importance in being able to say what it is that they do and to warn others about them. One could easily say that Paul did not speak well of Alexander, but the Bible teaches us that we are to hate evil and that this is the fear of the Lord. So if this man practices evil as we see in this text, for Paul actually says he did me much harm, then Alexander practiced and aligned himself with evil, okay? And so when people practice and align themselves with evil, you have to conclude at the end of the day that they are evil or they're an evil worker. And I know this is not a popular thing to say because, you know, if you're one of these people that just wants to love on everybody and you just want to, you know, I, I get that. I totally get that. I, I'm a very positive person myself, but I do have to recognize the truth of scripture and the reality of the world in which we live. So it's important to understand that when you see people who practice and align themselves with evil, you have to make only one conclusion. It's part of that judging that we've talked about in previous Bible studies. You have to be able to make a righteous judgment about what is actually going on. And I think we get really jittery about calling someone evil. But the truth is that anyone who's not in Christ is controlled by the evil one. And so if we look at Philippians chapter 3, verse 2, it actually talks about evil workers and how such people will increase on the earth in the end times. So we're not to align ourselves with them, even if we are kin. It doesn't mean you write off your uncle or refuse to talk to your mother-in-law. It tells you to beware in Philippians chapter 3, verse 2. Being watchful, as that verse directs, is a part of judgment. This is why God is the ultimate judge, because he sees everything. And so if you're closing your eyes, no, 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 I don't see it. I don't see it. They're just a good person. They're not doing anything bad. You're, you're not fulfilling what God has called you to do. He needs you to judge. That's part of what you do. Jesus Christ himself said, judge righteous judgment. If you close your eyes to these things, then you're not going to be able to do that. This means some people are reprobate and have given themselves up to evil devices. Remember, the Bible says that in the last days, 
these kinds of people are going to multiply. You can read that just to back it up so that you know it's true in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 and 5. This isn't something I'm making up. It is in the Bible. This means there will be more men like that Alexander the coppersmith that Paul talks about. When someone continually foments evil against others, at the end of the day, you must conclude that they are evil. <laughs> this isn't judge. This isn't judging badly. This is acknowledging the truth and God's will for those who practice evil. Paul makes no bones about this and declares that this Alexander should be rewarded with the same evil deeds that he practiced. Yes, we hate the sin but love the sinner. Yes, we do. But we must acknowledge it is possible to have evil intentions where one intends to destroy and break down. Maybe they had a bad childhood. Maybe not. Maybe they are misunderstood. But it does not absolve them from their own intentions. You know, people will say, well, they were, you know, they had this happen to them or this bad thing or whatever. Yes, that's true. It's possible. But there are other people who had things, terrible things happen to them. And they're not doing that. So we cannot, you know, uh, sort of um, theorize, rationalize, or pipe pop psychology our way through just plain evil. Yeah, some people just have bad intentions, okay? We just have to accept that. And if you are a really positive person, a compassionate person, an encouraging person, that doesn't feel good to say. I know. I understand how it is. But please note that Paul said that he needed to re be rewarded for that evil, that the Alexander should be rewarded. He didn't say strike him with this. The key is rewarded. An evil reward is real. The Bible teaches that there is a law in the earth called sowing and reaping, and he says it like this. He says, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, that shall he reap. For he, sows, for he that sows to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that sows to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And you can read that in Galatians chapter 6 verses 7 and 8. So don't be deceived. Whatever man sows that, he is going to get back. That's Galatians 6 verses 7 and 8. It means that Paul is going back to those words about authority and he's rightly judging Alexander in his conduct. He is using a scriptural way to bind this man to his evil deeds. And as surely as that man performed the deeds, he will surely receive it back, often in greater harvest abundance. You see, lots of people think God is punishing them when in reality they're just fulfilling the law that's in the earth that's rewarding them for what they have done. The word of God warns us so that we know and that we choose to sow well. Are you sowing well? Are you putting good things in the ground so that you get no surprises? See, the law is so real that even if you innocently face bad things from the wicked, you'll actually be rewarded with good for it. That's absolutely crazy, but it's the truth. The law is real. 
And I have seen it myself. There's this one verse where David and his men, they're kind of walking along. And there's this man who's just cursing David, who's just up and down. And his soldiers say, hey, let's go over there. Let's attack this guy. You know, he's, he's saying all these nasty things about you, David. But David actually rebuked them. And he said, let him curse. Let that man go on cursing. Perhaps the Lord will reward me for his abuses. So even when you're persecuted or you experience trouble or problems without you even having sowed any evil, you get to be rewarded good for it. Isn't that amazing? That means if someone does you wrong, God is going to reward you for it. It's absolutely amazing to see this in scripture and understand it's a real law. So he goes on to say, that the Lord delivered him, not only from Alexander the coppersmith, but also wickedness. Think about that. You know, the Bible says, and God knows how to keep, you know, what is, you know, his until the day of salvation. And you can actually read that in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2. It means that until it is your time, God will get you out of every tight spot and every evil hand. That's just the bottom line. If it isn't your time, then he's going to get you out of it. If it is your time, praise the Lord, you're with the Lord. You know what I mean? I mean, that really is the bottom line, is that God, you people, there are people that I have seen, I'm like, wow, how did they get out of that? And how did they survive that? And wow, that's incredible. Well, they can't go. (laughs) They can't. You cannot, they can't be defeated because they have God with them, because he is the one that is doing it. He is the one that is orchestrating it, not this person. And I think that's part of the mistake we make is that we look at the person and we assume they're amazing instead of assuming that God is amazing and that God is the one that's that's creating the salvation and the deliverance. He's the one you really need to be in awe about, not the person. How did they get out of that? No, it's God took them out of that. You have to understand that God is playing a game of chess, And we are all just pieces on the board. Unfortunately, as believers, we really don't get to see the actual board itself. Like, you don't really get a chance to get that up high, looking low sort of vantage point. You know, we see things from the vantage point of the pawn or maybe the rook or the bishop or something like that. So it seems crazy at times. We don't understand what's going on, but that's only because we don't understand the layout on the board. And we do not know the mind of God. We don't know what his next move will be. He might decide to do something else. Have you ever watched someone play chess? It's really fascinating, especially if you know how to play the game. And so if you know how to play the game and you watch it, you might think, oh, well, the next day he will obviously do this. But the person might do something completely different. And I think that's really fascinating. I like to watch people play chess. You know, I play chess myself and, you know, it's such a complex game. But when you're watching other people play chess, you realize that they have their own strategy. And I've seen people make moves that I absolutely didn't understand until they won the game. And I realized why they made that move. And it's the same way with us and Christ. And it is impossible for us to even know his mind. If you read in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and 11, it's just something we're not privy to. So there is a certain level of faith that we have to have just to live every day. But speaking well of your enemy, as we spoke about in the past, might be saying that 
you know, they'll pack up their bags and go, or they are rewarded according to their misdeeds. That is a good thing to say. It's a good thing to stop an evil man. Remember that it's always good. An evil man always must be stopped and will be stopped. The Bible says that the people mourn under evil authority, but rejoice under righteous authority. It says that in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 2. So this is a law. This is a book of wisdom. And so it's applicable to all people, not just believers. It's a fact in the land. When, you know, people are suffering, when people mourn, they're not having the best of times. And that's because, you know, they have an evil authority. So it's important to understand that people who practice evil are not good, you know, and they're not just evil to you. I think I think that's really a point that a lot of times we don't think about it. They're evil to everyone. And it's why I don't, me personally, I'm just going to make a confession here. I don't entirely believe people who say things like, oh, I didn't know he was like that, or, oh, I can't believe that she did that, especially if they knew the person for a long time, or they knew the person well, or spent a lot of time with him. And you may ask, well, why do you feel that? Well, because, well, because when it comes down to doing evil or doing wrong, it's kind of like the resting state of that individual. They're always engaged in some kind of nefarious deed. So it's not possible for them to pretend the whole time that they're with you that they're good. Paul is only speaking truth according to the law of God. And that's important for us to understand is that, you know, there are signs. There are signs. What matters is, are you looking? What matters is, are you seeing it? And it's important to be able to see these things so that you can tell others. Think about what Paul did in 2 Timothy chapter 4, 14 and 18 in our anchor text. He literally warned Timothy about this guy called Alexander. He says, beware, this guy is bad, (laughs) you know, and it's nothing wrong with doing that. Sometimes you really just have to be honest about what's there, because remember, truth will set you free, not what we pretend things are, not what we hope things will be, but truth. So I pray that you are able to lay hold on truth in such a way that you're able to be honest about the people and individuals that play a role in your life, whether that's a good role or even a bad one. It's important to not only judge righteously, but to warn other believers about those who are committing harm or practicing evil. It's not gossip, it's righteous judgment. And I pray that God gives you and continues to give you discernment so that you're able to live a more overcoming life, especially if maybe you are an elder or a deacon or a bishop and you're able to protect the flock, or maybe God has appointed you as a pastor and that means you're a shepherd. You'll be over some people. God wants you to make sure those people are protected. And to do that, you're going to have to make a righteous judgment. And you might have to name names, not because you are being um, malicious, but because you have to look out for and protect the flock of God. So I pray that God continually blesses you and gives you wisdom on how to do these things in love and in the will of God. May the Lord bless you. Bye.